Amen. Well, while you're standing, if you could grab your Bible and turn to 1 Kings chapter number 18. 1 Kings chapter number 18, while you're standing, we'll read just a couple verses to start with tonight, and uh, I'm planning to uh, cover the first 19 verses of 1 Kings chapter 18, um, but 1 Kings 18 verses 1 through 2, and um, I do like that, uh, that, that verse that says, um, in, the, in the song we just said, where he sends we will go, what he says we will do, uh, never fear, only trust and obey. And uh, I hope that that's the case for all of us, that we really will go where God wants us to go. We really will do what God says for us to do, and that we won't fear. And we're going to see a little bit of that played out in the life of Elijah here and uh, in those in this particular uh, passage. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 1 says this, And it came to pass, after many days, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Verse 2 says, And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And let's uh, pray together. Father, thank you for the time we've had together tonight to sing these songs that are great reminders of salvation. And and, uh, Lord, where we're going to, the the songs we're going to sing in glory. And then, Lord, uh, the song about trusting and obeying. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see an example tonight of someone who trusted you and who obeyed you and uh, and how you blessed as a result. And uh, I pray that we would uh, be uh, motivated and and uh, and determined to trust you and obey you in our lives as well as a result. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. So we started last Sunday uh, this series called Fire from Heaven uh, through the life of Elijah. And uh, last time we studied, uh, we looked at and covered the entire chapter of chapter 17. That's pretty amazing that we can get through a chapter in one night, especially when I'm preaching. Um, But uh, last time we studied chapter 17 and we learned Last Sunday or last Wednesday, a very deep spiritual truth, a very advanced biblical principle. And what 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 is that deep spiritual truth? This theological mind blower. Here's what it is: Chapter 17 comes before Chapter 18. That's right. Uh, yes, you're welcome. Uh, you have learned something, and uh, that's what we learned last uh, last Wednesday. And and here's what that means. Of course, chapter 18 of uh, 1 Kings is when Elijah, by faith, called down fire from heaven. Uh, One of the most remarkable uh, Bible stories, and when we say stories, we mean uh, an actual event that took place. Um, But one of the most remarkable accounts in all of history when, when Elijah called fire down from heaven. Pretty amazing. That would not have happened, though, had chapter... 17 not happened. See, 17 was when uh, Elijah went through the classroom of faith. Uh, He learned how God was going to take care of him. He learned how uh, God was going to miraculously provide for him. And he he learned to obey the Lord and see how God blessed. And and, and so um, here, here it is. Before Elijah had the faith to call down fire from heaven in chapter 18... He had to learn to grow in faith in chapter 17 in the wilderness 
Uh, remember when the ravens brought him, uh, brought him food to eat and, and he was there by the brook? And, and when that, once that brook dried up due to the drought that uh, was taking place, uh, then, then the Lord moved him to a Gentile town named Zarephath, and, and there a widow woman took care of him um, because he was willing to obey. And uh, now in chapter number 18, though, as he has learned these lessons of faith in chapter 17, now it's chapter 18, and now we're going to have a very awkward meeting. And uh, I think all of us can think back into our lives of some pretty awkward meetings. I, I'm going to tell you one. You've got to promise not to, to leave it in the room, okay? And those watching on, uh, on live stream, just promise not to tell anybody about this. Okay, this, this took place when I was in Bible college. I've mentioned several times that uh, my mom died while I was in Bible college. And, uh, and I remember uh, going to one of uh, my college professors who his mom had passed away about five years before mine did. And so I thought, you know, he's going to be a, a, you know, a wellspring of knowledge and wisdom and, and give me some really good help and counsel. So I remember going into his office and, and, uh, and I said, you know, I was just kind of curious, you know, how, how you kind of got past and through uh, this time after your mom died, how, how, you, how you got past it. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden he, he gave me some things and then he said, you know what you should do? You should start dating. I remember going, what? no, no, I mean, I, like spiritually, give me some things that I really need to get through this, you know, some Bible passages maybe to read, you know, and I, that's what I was expecting. But he said, no, you should start dating. And I know the reason he said that is because it was February and we had a college activity that he was in charge of. It was the it was a Valentine banquet for the college students. He just wanted me to go to this thing. So probably I would buy a ticket and the thing would pay for itself. So he said, you really need, do you have it? And he said, do you have a date for this uh, Valentine banquet? And I said, no, no, sir, I don't. And, and, but, I'm, but I'm not really interested in anybody right now. Like that was, you know, at that point I was like not, that wasn't really on my radar is dating at that particular point. But he really encouraged me, you need to start dating. I don't really want to start dating. And so we, you know, we, we ended that meeting and then a couple days later, I saw him in the hallway. He's like, Eric, do you have a date for the Valentine banquet yet? I said, um, you know, in my mind, I'm like, would you just drop it? <laughs> I'm going through it. No, I don't. And he's like, okay, you need to go ask somebody. Do you? And then he said this, do you need me to ask somebody for you? <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you don't need to do that. And then he said, there is a girl that does not have a date that I think you should take. I was like, all right, okay. And he, he mentioned her name. And I said, okay, well, you know, I may ask her. So the next day he sees me. He's like, did you ask that girl to the Valentine's? No, I didn't. He's like, she's over in the multipurpose room right now. I just saw her in there. I want you to go over there and do that or I will do it for you. I'm like, are you serious? And, uh, and he was honestly trying to, he really had my, the best intentions in the whole world. But uh, I, 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 I didn't want to do this. But I was like, I would rather do and have that conversation than having him do it. Like how junior high-ish is all of this? 
So I go in there, and, and sure enough, she's sitting in there. You know, there may be one other person in the room, and and uh, and it's just it was the best word I can I can use is the word awkward. So I go in there and I sit down, and and we know each other. We we're in some of the same classes together, me and this other girl, and and and, and you know we're friendly to each other, but there was really I don't think any as they say, chemistry. And so I sat down next to her and I said, so uh, there's this banquet thing. <laughs> and uh, would, would, you be, would you be willing to go with me? And she said, well, yeah, I'd, I'd go with you. And I said, okay. I said, uh, well, I'll, uh, I'll get the tickets and uh, I'll, 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 do, you know what, do you know what color you're going to wear? Because I was going to get a corsage because that was kind of like, if you go, you have to buy a corsage for the girl. And so it was just, again, awkward. And then we go to the banquet, very awkward, because none of us, neither of us really wanted to go with each other that much. And it was just awkward. Um, now, here we have in 1 Kings chapter 8. Now, you probably can think, as I share that story, you may think of some things in your life, just awkward meetings. Well, here in uh, 1 Kings chapter number 18, there is a very awkward meeting between Ahab and the prophet of God, Elijah. And uh, we're going to get into that toward the end of the message. But before that, let's, look, let's go down through this, uh, this passage here. And notice, first of all, number one, God's bidding. In uh, chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, we see God's bidding. In verse 1, it says, It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. So uh, remember back in chapter 17, in uh, verse number 1, it says, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my words. So the last time that Elijah and Ahab had a meeting was about three years ago. And when Elijah said, hey, by the way, it's not going to be raining and uh, there's going to be a severe drought in the land. Well, after three years of drought and all the challenges that that, that brought to Israel, and you can imagine, I mean, we're already starting to, how, how many of you noticed that we're starting to have some shortages on some things here in, here in America? I mean, there's some places where like, we went to, uh, I think it was Chili's the other night, and uh, we're like, oh, can you, can you bring us a straw? We're like, oh yeah, we don't have any straws. We're out of straws. Like, how can you be out of straws? <laughs> I, I need a straw. <laughs> but but now, and, and my father-in-law is telling me about, you know, you go into some place, some gas stations, and they don't have, like, the big, large cups anymore. And uh, there's going to be some shortages. And, I mean, we're starting to have some first-world problems with all of that. Now, back in Israel, after three years of a drought, you can imagine some of these struggles and some of the difficulties that they experienced because of the drought. And uh, so... It's time, though, for the Lord to say, okay, three years, let's go ahead and uh, tell him that uh, there's going to be rain again in Israel. Because, again, God is faithful to his children and his nation of Israel. Uh, Ahab was not uh, the most um, godly king. In fact, that's an understatement. He was a very wicked king. Um, but the Lord still loved his children and still did want to provide for his children. And this shows that while God is a... God of justice and judgment, he is also a God of mercy. And uh, one, one passage that I want us to consider tonight is Psalm 136. And, and uh, last year I preached through this particular psalm. 
Psalm 136. It has uh, 26 verses in here, and uh, 26 times do we find the phrase, for his mercy endureth forever. Once in each verse. Um, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And, and if you were here that night, we actually read through that entire song uh, out loud. I read the first part of the verse, and then everybody who was here read the phrase, for his mercy endureth forever. And we went through all 26 verses like that. So our church family who was here uh, read the phrase, for his mercy endureth forever, 26 times. Just to get it into our minds that his uh, mercy does, in fact, endure. And we see that even in this particular passage, going back to 1 Kings 18, God's mercy is on display here as he says, okay, we're going we're gonna to bring back the rain. We're going to bring back the moisture. So I'm thankful for his mercy. Well, as God bids Elijah to go back to Ahab, um, I mean, put yourself in Elijah's sandals here for a second. Uh, Ahab was not very friendly to Elijah, and he was an enemy of God, really. Now, God says to Elijah to go, how would you feel? Would you be like, oh, this is going to be a pleasant experience? Like, I'm going to go meet a best friend that we haven't seen each other in three years. We're going to go and just kind of catch up and pick up where we left off. And it's just going to be a wonderful uh, time of fellowship and, and uh, catching up. No, no, that's not how Elijah felt there. I imagine it was something he wasn't necessarily looking forward to. But, but notice how Elijah responds in verse number two. As God says, go show yourself to, to Ahab. Verse number two, the Bible simply says this, and Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab. So, despite the awkwardness of going back and saying, hey, by the way, it's going to start raining again, uh, Elijah simply does not hesitate. He reacts to this command with immediate obedience. So, as the Lord bids him to go, he obeys right away just like he did in chapter 17. So the lessons that he learned in 17 are now, again, he's practicing and, and using those same lessons that he learned in chapter 17 here in 18. And so as the Lord calls him, he goes. Um, simply obeying the Lord, it really cannot be overstated. And we, we sung about it a moment ago, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Um, a lot of us like to kind of excuse our disobedience with maybe more service or more sacrifice. And yet the Lord says, no, 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 I, I really want obedience. If you would uh, hold your place here in 1 Kings and go back to 1 Samuel. So before Kings is Samuel. And if you go to 1 Samuel chapter number 15, I want us to look at just a couple verses here. Uh, king uh, Saul was the king of Israel, and at this point it was a united kingdom. And uh, King Saul was the first king of Israel. And uh, God told him very, something very specific in uh, the beginning of chapter number uh, 15. And uh, the Bible says he did not completely obey all the way. And uh, let's see here in verse number 13. 
Uh, let's, let's jump back to verse 12. I'm sorry. When Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place and has gone, out, gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul. Saul said to him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. In other words, I'm a good boy. I've been a really good boy, Samuel, man of God. I've obeyed. Now notice verse 14. This is a, a pretty, pretty remarkable question here. Verse 14, Samuel said, Well, what meaneth then the, this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Saul here claims how obedient he is and, and how spiritual he is and, and, and talks the talk in verse 13, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But, but then Samuel's like, well, then can you explain why I hear animals in the distance? Uh, you were supposed to utterly destroy the Amalekites, and uh, you were supposed to destroy all of the animals, everybody. And so how come I hear that then? And then here's what his response was. Verse 15, Saul said, well, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen. And here's the reason why, Samuel, so that we could sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Well, that, the thing is, is, that was against the command of God. God commanded that they would utterly destroy everything. Well, the people thought they knew better than God. And uh, Saul began to kind of excuse it and over-spiritualize it. Well, then notice what uh, verse number 16, the Bible says, Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And Saul said, Say on. What do you, what, go. Um, and uh, let's go ahead and pick it up here in verse 21. But the people took the spoil. This is uh, Saul kind of trying to give his... Uh, defense here. The people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Like, we know we disobeyed, but, but we're going to use it for God. Verse 22, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And so if we can flip back over to 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, king Saul is an example of, look, God does want us to obey. And when we don't, we can, we can over-spiritualize it and talk the good talk and appear very spiritual, but God says rebellion is still as a sin of witchcraft. If there was somebody up here tonight who I introduced somebody, and they're going to be our guest speaker, and they explain how to do witchcraft, you would be going, what in the world? Why is this going on in our church? The thing is, is when there's people in our church who are rebelling against God, it's... God views it the same. Uh, God has 
uh, very, very much wants us to be obedient. And, and Elijah here was sent to go do a job, and, and he went, in verse number two, to show himself unto Ahab. Despite how easy or difficult or awkward it was going to be, he went and did what God's word told him to do. As I thought about that, I thought, you know, as God bid Elijah to go deliver a message to somebody, I thought about the fact that as New Testament believers, God has bidden us to deliver a message to somebody, hasn't he? He's given us a message, the message of the gospel to go into a lost and dying world. And how are we going to respond? Well, it might be awkward to talk to people about Christ. It might be. But like Elijah, are we going to say it doesn't matter how awkward or how difficult it's going to be. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to be obedient because to obey is better than sacrifice. So God has bidden us to deliver a message. He has called us to take the message of salvation to a lost and dying world. What will our response be? I hope we'll be like Elijah and that we go and show ourselves unto the people he's called us to go to. Remember when I was uh, a kid, there was a commercial on TV. It was a milk commercial, and some of you may remember this. It was, milk does a body good. And then what else did they say at the end? Anybody remember that? Pass it on. <laughs> milk does a body good. I should have looked it up on YouTube. And What's that? Pass, yeah, and they whispered it, pass it on. Milk does a body good. Pass it on. And uh, since then, I'm a big milk drinker. I do like me some milk. It has to be just 2%. Just plain 2%. Milk does a body good. Pass it on. Okay, well, here's the deal. Um, God has given us a message to pass it on. Are we passing it on? Um, Elijah did. He had a message from God to give. And he passed it on. God's given us a message to give. Let's pass it on. Okay, so we see God's bidding. But then we see number two here, Obadiah's bravery. Obadiah's bravery. Number two, Obadiah's bravery. And that picks up in verse number three here. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now, if you're thinking, Obadiah, I know who that is. Isn't there a book of the Bible named Obadiah? You're right, there is, but not same Obadiah. Two Obadiahs in the Bible. Uh, the prophet Obadiah, who wrote that book of the Bible, in fact, I think it's the shortest, shortest book in the Old Testament, uh, just one chapter, I believe, Obadiah is. And so Obadiah in 1 Kings chapter number 18, not, not the same man. This Obadiah in chapter 18 was, the Bible says, the governor of, his, of Ahab's house. So he was basically like his main assistant, uh, his, like, a, like Joseph was in Potiphar's house. So he was the governor of his house. Now, the Bible says in verse number three here, this is uh, pretty important. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. So here, Obadiah was a godly man in the house of Ahab, a wicked man. Um, just, uh, he was kind of a little bit of a spy. And we're going to see that here as we read through what he did here. Verse number 4, um, the writer of First Kings says, and this, this is all in parentheses, Now, Obadiah feared the Lord, for it was so, verse 4, when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took 
an hundred prophets and hid them by 50 in a cave and fed them with bread and water. So here we have a little talked about man. Most, most of us haven't really heard a, a lot about this Obadiah here. But uh, there was evidently a time when Jezebel went after the prophets of God and tried to kill them off because he, she wanted to silence them forever. But Obadiah bravely hid 100 of them and fed them with bread and water. See, Obadiah was a true, true hero. And uh, this is also found in verse number 13. Um, and uh, as Obadiah is talking to Elijah here, he says, Was it not told my Lord what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water? And uh, most of us can think of, of those in history who've, who've saved people uh, physically, and, and Obadiah did that. Now, God is obviously still looking for those who be willing to help spare not just uh, physical lives, but spiritual lives from perishing. And Obadiah was involved in practical things to help these men, such as giving them bread and water and, and uh, finding a place for them to be and so that they'd be hidden and Jezebel wouldn't know where they were. So Obadiah was a true hero, and his bravery was on display here. Now, verse number 5 tells us that this drought was so bad that Ahab ended up sending Obadiah to go search for grass to feed the animals. Verse 5 says, And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land and unto the fountains of the water, and unto the brooks, peradventure we might find grass to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. Because of this drought, you can imagine some of the animals and people's livelihoods were being affected in a major way. And even, Ahab, even to Ahab's own uh, flocks were being affected by this drought. And so he sent Obadiah to go search the land, go find some, uh, some grass that we can bring and feed our animals. They're about, to, they're about to die. So while Obadiah is going out, and he's obedient to that, in verse number 6, here's what happens. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went one way by himself. I mean, it was so bad that even the king decided, I got to go out and find, like, we got to go find this uh, grass to feed our animals or they're all going to die. So Ahab went one way by himself, and verse 6 says, Obadiah went another way by himself. And verse 7 is, Obadiah went, was in the way. Behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him, fell on his face, and he said, Art thou that my lord Elijah? And he answered him, I am. Go, tell thy lord uh, go tell Ahab, behold, Elijah's here. Because remember, God sent Elijah to go see Ahab, and Elijah went and found Obadiah, who he knew was connected to Ahab. And uh, he said, go tell him Elijah's here. In verse number 9, Obadiah says, well, wait a minute. What have I sinned that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? So as soon as Elijah said to Obadiah, hey, can you go tell your boss, that I'm here, Obadiah said, well, I'm going to become a dead man here if I actually go through with this particular task. And uh, here's, here's what he was thinking. Verse 10 tells us his thought process. As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation nor kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not here, 
he took an oath of the kingdom and nation, and that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass, verse 12, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he's going to kill me. He shall slay me, but I, thy servant, fear the Lord for my youth. He said, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go tell him you're here, and, and, uh, and then the Spirit of the Lord is going to take you away, just kind of like he has done before. And uh, Ahab's going to go, ah, you just are, you gave me a false, a false testimony. You're a dead man. So that's what uh, he was a little bit afraid of. And then verse number four, uh, 13, he also was kind of, he understood that it ended up being found out that he did hit these uh, these prophets of the Lord, because in verse 13 he says, Was it not told my Lord what I did? So Ahab knew what Obadiah did by hiding these prophets in this cave and feeding them and protecting them. And so he knew he was kind of like walking on thin ice, you know. Uh, one more strike and he was out. And so he thought, Hey, if I go tell Ahab that Elijah's here and then the Spirit of the Lord whisks him away, then uh, that's it. I, my head is gone. But then verse 15, Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. He said, I will follow through with this. So, here's, so Obadiah showed his bravery in hiding these hundred prophets in a cave. But now he shows his bravery once again by verse number 16, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. So Obadiah is displaying his bravery over and over again. And he's a, he's a brave man. Now, there was, he, he was a man just like you and I, human. And uh, he thought, hey, this could be the end of me. But uh, after Elijah made that promise in verse 15, Obadiah said, good enough for me. I'll go do it. And he put himself in harm's way. He said, Ahab, Elijah's here. And uh, he was really hoping that Elijah would still be there when Ahab went to go find him. Well, Ahab did find Elijah. And so uh, we, we'll get to that in a moment. I just want to kind of cover here a couple thoughts about bravery. Um, Adrian Rogers tells about the man who bragged that he had cut off the tail of a man-eating lion with his pocket knife. And somebody asked this man, why, why, didn't, they, why didn't he cut off the, the lion's head with the pocket knife? The man replied, well, somebody had already done that. <laughs> somebody already took care of that. And, you know, as I was reading through that, I was thinking, you know, that's, that's a lot of Christians where we kind of act all big and bad. But honestly, you know, the bravery may not be there as much as we wish it was. But uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 6, we're, we're called, and, and Joshua was, as he was now chosen to lead the people of, of God into the promised land. Joshua 1 verse 6, God says to him, Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance of the land which I swear to their fathers to give them. And then he says again, Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. So God does want us to be brave, to be courageous as believers. Uh, of course, if we're on the Lord's side, we have the majority. 
uh, we're going to win. We're on the winning side. Now, that doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy peasy, lemon squeezy every moment of the day. Um, but let's have bravery like Obadiah did. All right. So we see uh, God's bidding. We see Obadiah's bravery. And then let's notice very quickly here, number three, Ahab's blame shifting. And verse number 17, so here's that awkward meeting finally takes place. Here's Ahab and Elijah once again coming together after three years uh, since Elijah said, hey, by the way, it's not going to rain till the Lord says it's going to rain. In verse number 17, what does Ahab do? He goes and gives him a big hug and kiss and say, hey, it's so good to see you. Let's catch up. How you been, my old friend? It's not what he says. Verse 17, it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? We've been experiencing all kinds of trouble here in Israel, Elijah, and it's your fault. You're the troublemaker. So ironic that Ahab blames Elijah for the judgment of God brought to Israel. It wasn't Elijah that caused that drought. When in fact, Elijah was actually one of the best friends that Israel ever had. See, Ahab was blinded to the fact that he himself brought the judgment of God upon Israel. And this was not the last time that others blamed the messengers of God for trouble. Uh, the trouble they were experiencing wasn't Elijah's fault, but Ahab thought, well, we've got to blame somebody. And instead of blaming himself and taking ownership for why they were experiencing that judgment, he chose to cast the blame upon the man of God, the messenger of God. Uh, in Acts chapter number 16, uh, let's take a quick detour over to Acts. Uh, I want to try to make this a quick detour, uh, but I want to show you that uh, the apostles dealt with this. Those who were blaming them for the trouble that was going on. Acts chapter 16, verse number 19 says this, And when, their, when her masters saw the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas, drew them into the marketplace under the rulers, brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. So here, the, the town of Philippi, these, uh, these high-ranking people in Philippi brought Paul and Silas and, and blamed them for troubling the city. And what were they doing? They were just the messengers of God giving the gospel of Jesus Christ to this city. And uh, they blamed them for all their trouble that they were experiencing. And uh, verse 22, the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes, commanded to beat them. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. And uh, then at midnight, verse 25, they sang praises. They prayed and sang praises unto God. And uh, it was because of these people blamed the men of God and the messengers of God for the trouble that they were in. Uh, Acts 17, let's look at this. Uh, quick passage here, verse 5. But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took of them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out, of the peop out to the people. 
When they found them not, they drew Nate, Jason, and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Now, as Bible college students, we would read this passage and we'd be like, man, I want to turn this world upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. And, uh, and that's what these people were doing. But when they said it in verse 6, it was not a compliment. It was not, hey, we're really glad that you're turning this world upside down for the Lord's sake. And uh, here in our country, which for a couple hundred years, we've had you know, a, Christian, uh, a Christian nation and a Christian culture. But uh, that is quickly fading away, like very quickly. It's amazing to me how fast this culture is changing. And, and I mean, here's the deal. The seeds were planted way back when, when we took God out of the school. We took the Bible, we took prayer out of school. And, uh, and now the fruit is starting to blossom, and boy, is it blossoming fast. And uh, this culture is starting to not be a Christian culture anymore. We're becoming the ones who everybody's looking at us calling, hey, you're the troublemakers because you're so narrow-minded. You're so intolerant. And uh, you're the troublemakers. And so if we flip back over to 1 Kings chapter 18, um, as, as Ahab gives that message to Elijah, hey, you're the one that's troubling Israel. You're the big troublemaker. Uh, it happened to John the Baptist too, by the way. Remember when he be called sin out? And he was the big troublemaker, so they put him into prison and then eventually uh, chopped off his head. It is, uh, it is tempting, uh, if you put yourself in Ahab's shoes here, or sandals, being the one who's guilty to blame others. Uh, one evening, several college students, as a prank, spread Limburger cheese on the upper lip of a sleeping college student, freshman. Well, upon awakening, the young man sniffed, looked around and said, this room stinks. He then walked into the hall and said, and, and this hallway, man, what is that smell? It just stink, reeks in here. And leaving the dorm, he exclaimed, you know, the whole world just stinks. He's blaming everybody, but the fact is it was him that had the Limburger cheese on his upper lip. And here Ahab said, you're the one that's guilty. No, actually, buddy, you've got some Limburger cheese on your lip. You're the one that's guilty. In uh, Discipleship Journal, journal uh, Don McGola wrote, John um, Killinger tells about the manager of a minor league baseball team who was so disgusted with his center fielder's performance that he ordered him to the dugout and assumed the position himself. He said, you, you're, you, you stink out there. I'm going to show you how it's done. Well, the first ball that came into center field took a bad hop and hit the manager in the mouth. Well, the next one was a high fly ball, which he lost in the glare of the sun until it bounced off of his forehead. The third was a hard line drive that he charged with outstretched arms. Unfortunately, it flew between his hands and smacked his eye. Furious, he ran back to the dugout, grabbed the center fielder by the uniform, and shouted, You idiot! You've got center field so messed up that even I can't do a thing with it. 
<laughs> See, he continued to blame and blame instead of taking ownership. And Ahab should have understood that it was him that needed to get right. Uh, last thought here, and then we'll wrap it up tonight, and that is number four, Elijah's boldness. Verse 18, he answered, Elijah did. And you know, Elijah could have said so many things at that moment, but I mean, just what he said is just what needed to be said there. He said, I have not troubled Israel, but thou. And thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Boom. I mean, talk about a mic drop. Awkward conversation, awkward meeting. Uh, but Elijah here had some tremendous boldness. Proverbs 28 and verse number 1, the Bible says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Elijah here had that righteousness in his life that gave him that boldness to say the truth in that moment, in that awkward moment. Then in verse number 19, he commanded Ahab to get the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the grove. Verse 19 says, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of the groves 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. He said, it's time for a showdown. That's a, that took some boldness. That took some courage. And so we see here Elijah had some boldness. And uh, I had some other things I want to say there, but we're out of time tonight. So we'll wrap it up there. Uh, let's, let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll look at some other prayer requests. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather together tonight uh, to look at the life of Elijah and, and see the, the, your bidding in, in Elijah's life and how he uh, was willing to obey. And Father, I pray, Lord, as we understand that you have bidden, bidden us to go into a lost and dying world and preach the gospel to every creature. Help us, Lord, to, like Elijah, be willing to obey. You've, you've given us a message to share. Help us to share it. Help us to pass it on. And then, Lord, we see, uh, we've looked, we looked at this, this obscure man named Obadiah, who was one of Ahab's assistants. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to also be brave and courageous as we live our Christian lives. Help us to look for opportunities to do th things to help others, most of all spiritually. And then, Lord, help us not to blame shift. Lord, it happened in the Garden of Eden, and it's been happening ever since, and Ahab sure did it. Uh, Lord, help us not to blame others for the consequences of our sin, uh, but to take ownership and, and to use those opportunities to get right with you. And then help us to be bold like Elijah was in our day and age. We need Christians who are going to be bold to stand up for truth. It's not popular anymore. So help us, Lord, to have boldness and courage. pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, let's look at uh, some prayer requests real quick before we're dismissed tonight.